These ideas of communism and um, the free market collide and they're both communist over time. And that, that sounds harsh, but it's a control structure. There is no free market if there's a distortion on money because everything else is on top of that distortion of money. Hello there, how are you all doing? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I am using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And before we get into the interview today, I have a quick message from my show sponsors. This show is brought to you by Level. Now, as the world migrates from traditional walled garden financial rails to Bitcoin, Level has rebuilt its Bitcoin trading app to become the first full suite Bitcoin banking app. The Bitcoin revolution isn't just about investing dollars. It's about replacing them. So while other apps help you to buy Bitcoin, the Level app lets you use your Bitcoin for daily life. You can get paid in Bitcoin, you can spend Bitcoin anywhere, and you can even earn Bitcoin rewards. All of this is alongside a traditional fiat account, so you can manage your Bitcoin alongside your traditional currencies. Now, Level are reserving 500 beta slots for WBD listeners ready to go all in and bank in Bitcoin. If you want to find out more, head over to level.co forward slash WBD, which is lvl.co forward slash WBD for info and early access. Next up, it's sportsbet.io, the very best place for online gaming because they're badasses and they accept Bitcoin. Now, we are over halfway through the season. Liverpool have just picked up their first trophy. Tottenham are struggling as ever. This season is going as planned. But how's it going to finish? Do you know how it's going to finish? Will Liverpool win the title? Will they snatch it away from City? Who's going to win the league? Who's going to win the Champions League? Who knows? Well, anyway, if you want to take a bet, sportsbet.io has got you covered. And not just with football. They cover tennis, motorsports, US sports. They even cover esports. And for new customers, there's always a range of promotions available. So if you want to find out more, please head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions. That is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. Next up, it is Compass Mining. And they are not just a sponsor. I am a customer of Compass Mining. I am mining with Compass Mining. Now, I've been doing this for about Wow, what is it, like four months now? And I've mined over half a Bitcoin with them. It's pretty cool. It's very cool, actually. I love the fact that I'm back mining. And I also love the way Compass does this. They've made mining accessible to everyone. And as a Bitcoiner, I'm happy to be supporting the decentralized growth of the hash rate. It was so easy to get onboarded. And now anyone can mine Bitcoin. You just pick your machines, choose your hosting facility, and they do all the rest of the work for you. Now, if you are interested in mining or if you want to find out more, then please head over to compassmining.io. That is C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G dot I-O. Also today, we have Gemini, who I am using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin. And even though they've been with me for a year, I have not sold a single sat with Gemini. I'm only buying. I'm a hodler. But I have been buying Bitcoin with them. Not only have I been buying the dips through Gemini, but I also set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin, and I'm yet to see a better or easier interface for buying Bitcoin. With a streamlined trading view, you have access to all the tools you need to understand Bitcoin and start investing, all through one clear, attractive interface. And Gemini are now running a special offer for listeners of what Bitcoin did. All you need to do is head over to gemini.com forward slash WBD, and new customers will get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade $100 or more on Gemini. If you want to find out more, please head over to gemini.com forward slash WBD. 
which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com forward slash WBD. What does this whole setup cost you? Um, so, I mean, the equipment's a fixed cost. It's, uh, it's about $40,000 of video, about $5,000 of audio. But then we have, like, the production costs, which, um, yeah, the Airbnb, the flights to get in, uh, the costs to bring guests in, the production afterwards. So it, a two-week trip is probably forty to fifty thousand mm. um, uh, dollars. But if you add everything in, I think the show is probably like about eight hundred thousand to a million dollars. And it's interesting because um, it could be a much more profitable show. I can, I or we could make much more money. I was listening to Mr. Beast interview yesterday and he was saying he just reinvests everything back in all his ideas and that's essentially what we do uh whenever we you know level up on the money we're making we just reinvest so yeah it's camp you know we upgraded all the equipment recently um danny now flies in from australia and is part of the show and and we'll continue to do that and you know if we made more money we would book a better place you know and maybe we'd have an assistant in as well. Uh, I think. I think. I mean, Danny. Danny, your opinion on this is important because you're Danny heads up the production. The output is down to him. Mm. I just think it's very easy to do what everyone does. Um, so the more we can sort of level everything up, the more we set ourselves, you know, set ourselves aside from just a regular remote interview podcast. Right. And it's it's become more important as well because. As we've invested, we've definitely started seeing like an increase in not just the downloads, but like the quality of the show, I think. Well, I think that's what Mr. Beast does. I think it's a really good example. When you do, when you do that and you're investing back in the show, it's, it shows and more people are fo start following it because you're able to, to put more into it. Yeah, and I think the other thing was with Bitcoin just becoming a much bigger thing itself, uh, we recognized not only an opportunity, but like a need for there to be uh, this kind of product out there. And we're lucky in Bitcoin because there's so many good products. Uh, Marty's Tales from the Crypt is yeah. a fantastic podcast, kind of my go-to. I learn so much uh, from what he covers, even though I don't agree with him on uh, uh, certain things. And if you want to learn about the technical stuff, Stefan kind of focuses more on that and does a great job. Uh, John Vallis does a great job. There's so many great products out there that we're kind of lucky. And we just, you know, where we fit into this is that, uh, like right now, what I've noticed is um, there's a definite uh, new arrivals coming into Bitcoin. Both people are interested in it and people you can talk to and interview. And there's more moderates and people from the left coming in who've got opinions and ideas, which can support Bitcoin, but also how Bitcoin can support their ideas. And yeah, I'm from the UK. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a American conservative, and uh, and I am interested in libertarian ideas. But I also come with the the lens of what a British European person is. And so we recognise that there are there's a need for a product that is produced like this. And so that that's what we've done. We've just invested in what we think the market needs. You mean learning? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it is learning. Um, it's learning. Then this, this. It's funny you say the word learning. There's so many. Oh, hold on, you interview me. There's uh, <laughs> there's so many elements to learning because there is 
that's providing a product that helps uh, the listener learn. There is uh, myself and the team learning about the product, thus also learning from the guests, but also just doing, you know, there was no plan to create a show that has you know, 1.3 million, 1.5 million downloads a month. And that comes with a lot of ideas and pressures, but it makes you then learn about yourself outside of whatever we're talking about Bitcoin, uh, as we talked about at dinner last night. I, lo I, I love you said that because in, in my technology career or Build Direct, the, the kind of first technology company I built, the biggest learnings were the things that actually were blocking me from success. It wasn't the outside stuff. That was, that was relatively easy. It was the stuff that I didn't see um, because I couldn't see it in myself. Probably everyone else could see, but I couldn't see. And it was those breakthroughs that changed, changed my life. Yeah, there's been a lot of breakthroughs in this. Uh, Danny is uniquely positioned as a person I probably talk to most in the world, <laughs> strangely. Yeah. Uh, so he's gone beyond uh, a colleague and a producer to, to being a friend and a confidant and a therapist. <laughs> but you, but you get to so you, so you're seeing a diverse collection of people. Yeah, and and they all have their own views, and 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 those views might be really narrow. Um, and and you get to synthesize all of that, um, and then talk to each other about what it meant to you, to you guys. That's kind of just. In fact, what ends up happening in building a company is very similar. What creates the, a lot of times when you're going through a war in a company, trying to create value for somebody else, and you have a bunch of like-minded people trying to create that value, um, you create those same deep connections and friendships because to get there, you have to learn so much about the industry, what you're doing, what you're doing that's different. There's a whole market against you mm -hmm. that you have to try to find out, navigate. You might be wrong. You, um, and so a lot of, and you make mistakes along the way. So a lot of those relationships, when you feel a figure who sticks along those relationships, it's actually the same thing. Yeah. And it's a, it's a cliche. Uh, and as somebody who's built you know, three or four businesses now, nothing huge, uh, but Businesses ranging from 10 to 45 people and turnovers up to like small numbers of millions. Like mm -hmm. I think the biggest I ever got to was 2.7 million pound. I think that's about three and a half million dollars. So nothing huge, but but, but significant. Uh, the cliche is uh, absolutely learn most from when it fails because that's when you have to do the biggest autopsy on both yourself and the business. Yeah. Uh, which I went through with my uh, advertising agency, which I had prior to this. It collapsed, uh, and I had a year off work. And there was a there was a whole autopsy on what I got wrong and what the company got wrong. Uh, and I think that's why when you when you go out and raise money for a startup, VCs embrace people who've previously failed. <laughs> they always embrace that. So yeah. okay, great, you failed. Do you know why you failed? Yeah. What did you learn? Yeah. What did you learn? Yeah. And uh, I guess you've been through similar scenarios on both uh, on, on both sides, and both and 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 even even in winning or, or in, in kind of in in one of those examples in two thousand eight, selling my house fam family house to be able to go all in, and you realize how much you have on the line, how much what it, what if it fails, what is how did we get to this point where we had to do this? External events aside, like two thousand eight was a crazy time. 
But it, but it, you try to detach the things that are external, kind of in that case, monetary system, kind of a flip of a switch, how everything could have looked different on either, either side. So you try to take away the timing and then what could you have done differently? What would you do differently to be able to not get into that same thing again? Did you enjoy that? That risk element, because that's I always do enjoy the risk. I don't. I don't perceive it as risk. So, so, okay. so, so the so the people that would look at me or what I what I do as um, as risk or an entrepreneur as is risk. Um, I look at it as an asymmetric bet on myself. And so, there's risk everywhere in the world, and I don't think people do a really good job of measuring external risk of tying your thing to somebody else's thing, especially if you don't believe in that, right? So they go get a job, the thing has no risk. And then they don't really believe in the job and they measure all their time against a job they don't really like, um, thinking that that is no risk, when actually that has the greatest risk. Well, there's a time risk. There's a time risk. There's a time, there's what you do every day. Is it satisfying what you're, um, um, and, and is it putting you into a hole that you don't like what you do every day? And and who do you blame for that? You chose it. Yeah, also some some people, I think some people just don't have the, the makeup to escape that idea of working for somebody in a, I think, I think some people also get trapped by uh, the budget of the life they've built and they think, I can't leave this and, take a step back or a lower pay to get into a career or an idea I want to do. So there's that trap, especially once you've had kids. Uh, but I also think some people just don't maybe have the confidence to make a big change. So when you say some people, mm-hmm. it's all people, including yeah. you, including me, including, and we design our own life. We choose 100% of our time. We choose every single person around our time, who we spend time with. Everything in our life is designed by us. When we say, when we give ourselves an excuse that we don't, it's still designed by us. We just don't have the choice in it anymore. We've given the choice away. Choice away. And what I just said there has dramatic consequences for everything. And so um, I'm gonna take it deeper into something that I think about a lot because of my own journey, but I think about, um, so, so why do we do the things we do when we could do anything, right? So, and it's so easy to see somebody else's failings, what they do wrong and what's stopping them from success, but so hard to see in ourselves. Um, and, and I use often that victim analogy. So we can all see when we come in across somebody who's a victim and measuring everything, the world's conspiring against them, and, and they have a sign on their forehead that says, um, I can't do this because everybody... And what they're really looking for, what they're really looking for, what we're all looking for, is love and connection, belonging. What they don't realize is they're pushing away that loving and belonging with all their might because people, because the thing that attracted the love and belonging first was being a victim, I matter. Everybody comes racing to me. And that stops working. But it's the thing they know how to get love and belonging, so they double down on it. And and everybody knows, except for them. Huh. Fair? You can see it. By, by the way, I the, do yeah. because 
I've played the victim in the past plenty of times. So so have I. So have uh, so and that's so the, the higher level. That's what I'm talking about in business or us choosing our, our reality. But they can't see it. And and I, you use a victim. I use a victim example here. But it's the same through any lens that you look at yourself for. You could say the billionaire who takes all the time away from uh, family to be the billionaire to matter because the representation, representation to matter is so that love and connection is so important, but they push away the thing that they, that matters, that they say matters most because they get reinforced that, that, that this matters. So that's just how we all show up. Not good, not bad, not, but how do you check it? So if it's so easy to see in everyone else, yet so hard to see in ourselves, that, and, and the mirror of everything around your world is created by you, because it is in the victim's case, right? They actually can't see what's happening in the world. Same in the billionaire, same in any different lens you look, uh, look through. Then how do we measure in ourselves? And, and how you, I think you measure in yourself is, what does your world look like? If there's something that you don't like, it's, it's you, it's no one else, it's just you. I know what Danny's thinking right now. I, that, that's what happened earlier, right? I was, yeah. I, you know, when, when Jeff says it like that, I was being a victim, wasn't I? Mm -hmm. like, exactly. So, <laughs> so earlier today, there's a, a Twitter interaction, and somebody wrote something about me that was a was a lie, and it was a provable lie, and I got pissed off about it. I was like, right, I'm going to tweet out about this. I'm going to show why it's a lie. I'm going to prove it. And Danny was like, you don't need to do this. And I was like, yes, I do, because they're lying about me. He's like, no, you don't. You don't need to do this. And essentially, what I'm, I'm trying to prove that I'm right, but essentially it's being the victim. And what does it actually achieve? What's the benefit? Because no, the people I'm telling it's a lie didn't see the lie, so now I'm showing them the lie. You're, you're, you're magnifying it. You're magnifying it, and you're splitting the crowd. And the funniest thing, this is where it's going to make you laugh, is what I mentioned earlier. Danny said, what would Jeff do? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck, you're right. And so I, uh, I closed my laptop and ignored it. So, so when I look at things like, like that, and, and so, so what hurts us in that, and, uh, and you can see it in Bitcoin, you can see it in any interaction with people, but, it's, but let's use Twitter as an example. Um, you say something. And somebody, there's kind of bucketed into three things. Somebody says something back to you that either makes your argument stronger or, or, or says where I was wrong and I need to learn more. So it's either learning. They say something that is, they're just being an asshole, right? And if they're just being an asshole, then nothing they can say can hurt you without your permission. It's your ego that's, that's, that's driving that. And everyone else sees who they are too. Yeah. So why do you respond? It's just your ego. Um, or they're trying to get attention by using your, your fame to be able to drive attention. And yeah. there's a whole bunch of people like that too. And, and so I just turn it around and I say, if nothing, if, if, it, the informa if it's just information without my ego, and just take it as information 
and ignore the stuff that uh, doesn't help move move the conversation for, forward. Um, and I'll get more philosophical here, but but if I think about kind of the physical world we live in, it's measuring things, information, and then at the quantum level, I'm sure you've heard of the double slit experiment. I have. The double slit experiment at the subatomic level, um, the observer has a, has uh, creates their reality. Right, or the observer, uh, two uh, subatomic particle goes through two slits at the same time. Yep. But if the observer watches that, it only goes through one slit, kind of a probability distribution. So what, now let's just take that, and it, it boggles your mind, because how at the subatomic level, and that's where physics still can't figure this out, there's string theory, there's a whole bunch of theories on how that, but, but it, when the observer watches, the particle doesn't go through the other slit. So that collapses, that reality that could have happened collapses and it's no longer a part of your reality. And that forms at the atomic level, at the things level, everything else. What I think it says is the observer has an effect. And I, and I extrapolate that to think of a, of a party and then and take the victim at that party, the same victim we talked about before, and take every experience of the party, all the conversations. There's 100 people in that room. And in those conversations, right now you're listening to, if you ran an imaging on your brain, you'd have a P3 wave. It created a P3 wave as your neurons all connected and, and, and actually connected to this conversation. You could see this coming into your consciousness. But in that room, you would see the same thing if we were having a conversation. And, and the imaging machine would actually pick up every other conversation too, but it wouldn't create P3 waves. So you wouldn't hear, so those realities don't exist to you. But if somebody across the room said, Peter, even quietly, new P3 wave, and you're trying to concentrate on the other conversation, you can't concentrate on mine. So what I think happens, just a hypothesis, what I think happens is, and so now imagine in those hundred people and all of the different conversations in that party, that you'd have to assume that somebody in that room is having a conversation that could change your life forever. Huh. But you can't hear it. You can't, it's, it, it's, it, it's invisible. It never happened to you because you're focused on the reality of that. And you can see the conversations that are focused on you, the one that you're creating. And you can feel, you can, and so the same reason why I see more opportunities and all around me sees opportunities and my friends are incredible and everything else is, because it's the view I have of the world. And so I see more opportunities like that. And the more people that I meet like that, expand those opportunities. And it's just, it feels incredible. I feel for a whole bunch of people who can't see the world like that. But they, to say they don't have a choice to see the world like that, they have a choice to see the world like that. They just don't. Yeah, absolutely. And with that wrong focus or looking in the wrong direction, you can actually, or spending time on things which when you're putting yourself in that kind of victim place, they can actually d destroy opportunity as well. So, so if you go back to what you, you did on Twitter or you've done on Twitter before, right? If you love that interaction, if that defines you, keep doing it. Then, then, 
then, then all the power to you. But, but, that, but, but I think that's it. We all control that reality. Yeah, well, it's, you know, taking it into this kind of Bitcoin world, there is, there is obviously a lot of opportunity. I mean, we, get, we talked about the show and you know, we have this opportunity to travel and make shows and meet people and have conversations. But it's also, it's one of the biggest learning exercises that I've been through because it doesn't just, you're not just learning about Bitcoin, you learn about everything it touches and it's like reality in the world. Uh, so as a great example, over the last year, it feels like, I was talking to Nick Carter about this yesterday, every major event around the world that's been happening over the last year, two years, has a Bitcoin angle. <laughs> Whether it's direct Bitcoin stories such as El Salvador, you know, making Bitcoin legal tender because they are a dollarized nation, so they have no control over their sovereign currency, to uh, COVID and people being locked down and understanding the control government have and the connection between that and money to what's happening in a war zone right now <clears throat> where an army is being funded by unsensible money Another country is being cancelled, and there are certainly going to be Bitcoin considerations both for the state and the, the population of that country. To in Canada, where the truckers were deplatformed from uh, their uh, from GoFundMe, you know, the, every it, it feels like Bitcoin has now reached that weird tipping point where it's gone beyond just a suggestion of ideas or like these predictions about the future everything that people who wrote about years ago people like Pierre Rochard and Nakamoto Institute and those people it's all like happening now and so you don't just learn about Bitcoin you have to learn about all the asymmetric topics and add to that into that mix you have got this broad set of people a broad set of ideas that need considering uh it's wild, man. It's, it, it's what every one of these islands of information that seem independent islands of information with their camps of people that are totally committed to that camp um, and that feel like they're getting further and further apart from society are further and further apart because of the misinformation and money. Misinformation and money must equal. And money is just an abstract concept for our time. So we don't want more money. We want more, th we want more of what we believe money will buy us, whether that's love, freedom, vacation, uh, whatever that is, or live a life of <laughs> retirement. We want what we think money will buy us. It's just, a, it's just information. And so when you have misinformation and money as a byproduct, you must have misinformation broadly across society. And all of these camps that look disparate and are further, further and further divided all the time and people are taking opinions inside the camp and fighting fellow man inside another camp, it's all because of that distortion in money. In fact, when I, when I wrote my book, um, that's one of the reasons I wrote the us versus them chapter because you could see it playing for you could see it playing forward with what would 
naturally happen as a result of of moving down this down this path and what has happened throughout history when you move down this path what when you get to this point in a cycle what would it naturally happen and how how that would corrupt our brains and we would turn against each other instead of towards each other because it felt easier to do there it's it's always easier to to blame a societal problem on a person rather than a structure and this is a structural problem okay let's expand into that um if if you think about what what drove our learning our um i could come at this a couple of angles i'll start here start start here the division of labor is critical in the growth of society and what the division of labor essentially said is before when we when we were in a small group of 150 people that that group of 150 people living in the sahara living on the plains had to do everything together now that small group um you could have somebody hunt, you could have somebody uh, uh, somebody stay, watch the kids and everything else, but it relied on each other, relied on each other, and everybody had their role. As you expand global trade, the only way to have everyone have their role is a division of labor. And the division of labor, so if you just think about um, the world we live in, which is just ideas, um, and we can't, when we predict the world we're, uh, we're living in from the world we're living in and we can't see the new idea that changes our life so but and and so what that means is in a division of labor i for me to be a doctor i had to trust somebody else was a farmer and somebody else was a metal worker somebody else was this and if i couldn't trust that and the only thing that glued all of that together was trust Trust and trust in that information of money. Because if I couldn't trust that, then I had to do everything myself. And so when once you start distorting that division of labor, manipulating money, no matter where the distortion ends up, it has to keep on keep on moving. Now you could centralize all function and say, everybody here is at my control. Right? That is one plausible way you could say those people are do everything i say because of coercion you could centralize all functions and and remove the free market but if you do that and all ideas are actually just and we don't see new ideas until they're in front of us like we didn't we thought we'd use a blackberry forever until iphone came out right we don't see the new idea until it's in front of us and those changes happen sl- slowly or, or fast, depending on how idea, that idea magnifies across society. Uh, if we don't see, if we don't see that, um, then how could we trust a centralized authority to see every idea for us? So, so if you do that over time, then the centralized authority authority has to has to gain power effectively through control. It's a control function. So there's two ends of this spectrum, and. and you can see kind of communism on one side yeah. is a um, is a control function, and we believe that on a, on a free market on the other side is kind of a governance structure to allow ideas to flow to flow. And under communism, that's a distortion of money. Communism is, is it, it is it's a different control it's a control structure 
under a belief that we know better than all of you. Yeah, but it distorts money because there's no incentive model. Here's the important thing. We, li- we believe we live in a free market here. Uh-huh. If the thing that you don't vote on that matters most in your life is, and is the distortion of money. You're voting on taxes, but most of, it's, most of the taxes is in a, in a hidden, th- you could call it a transfer of wealth and inflation, mm-hmm. and nobody has a vote on it. And that underpins the free market. There is no free market. So these ideas, the communism and, um, and free market, collide, and they're both communism over time. And that, that sounds harsh, but it's a control structure. If, 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 the th- if there, is, there is no free market, if there's a distortion on money, because everything else is on top of that distortion of money. So how do you have a truly free market? You, you, you don't right now, and that's actually why Bitcoin is such, a, such an important innovation um, or sort of, sort of discovery. Um, and it's, it's not well understood yet. It will be over time. It's, it's just an idea, right? And if we all believe, if we all believe in a different idea that we should live under control of somebody else and that person should make all the decisions, then society is going to live under that and then that's what it'll look like. So to have a truly free market, we can only do it with the by eradicating any form of centralized taxation or redistribution. Yeah, I want to be careful. I want yeah. to be careful there because because and again, in, in, in it, there's some people who believe that. There's some people in Bitcoin who believe that. There's some people that all governments will fail and and it's all every man to itself. I don't believe. I, I don't believe that. I don't either. But I totally respect some that who do, and and I and I want to listen to the opinion. But I don't think society can function without um, without an agreement of laws that protect society, kind of for the greater for the greater good. Now, what that looks like, on the, and this becomes complicated to topic on the transition, because remember, if you look through the lens at society, what society looks like today, and you realize how unfair that is for most of society because of the manipulation of money, and how those most hurt by the manipulation of money can't see their way out because they're living in fear, and they run back to the same government that's creating it, for more, for more money and more manipulation. I, I know how that kind of builds, uh, builds centralization and a further function. And then in, from that lens, I could totally see how somebody could be so against that, that they'll, they'll go almost fringe to burn it all down. It's almost like the Monopoly game board, right? If the, the game ends and you reset the game, Along the way on the game, if you get lucky and you land on the right properties and somebody else gets unlucky, the person that's lucky has a more and more greater and greater probabilities to win and the other one gets greater and greater probabilities to lose. They go around the board. Now what happens if at the end of that board game, or every time you pass go, the unlucky person that can't make it around the board game and the game won't end, it won't be allowed to end. But instead of getting $200, they can't get around the board game, they get $300. And then all the prices of food and housing and everything else go up. And the richers get, riches get richer. And then they can't get around the board game again, and they go back and ask for $400. Yeah. 
That's what UBI, that's what all of these things look like. And it's perpetual slavery. Danny, look up um, <clears throat> Monopoly Socialism. <clears throat> so I actually bought, you can actually buy a socialist version of Monopoly. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, and I, I bought it um, to play with my kids. And uh, it was so funny, we were playing it. I remember my daughter, she was quite quite young. And she was like, this isn't fun. <laughs> I'm not enjoying this. Can we play the old one? Um, there is there is luck in life as well, and part of this which it, and, 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 and part it, of the reason you and I sat here now is luck. I can tell you the the strokes of luck which led to being sat here right now. I can think of two, three scenarios. If they hadn't happened, I would not be sat here right now. So, so in in any free market, I'm not saying that there's there's still inequality, and there's inequality. Because some people are valued higher by the free market than others in any given point in time. That is okay. Um, what's not okay is unfairness. What's not okay is, is if I make a losing bet that I socialize the losses to, the, to society and I win. And so that's what we have today is capitalism through monetary easing and, every, and and it has greater and greater consequences through, throughout the world. And so in Monopoly, the game board ends or it's kicked over, right? Yeah. And, and today, and today, if you see the rise of, of kind of hate and everything in the world, what's happening is the game board is getting kicked over, but the game board that we're living in is our planet and everybody else and it's getting kicked over. And so there needs to be a new game. Bitcoin is a new game. That's what it and and the system the system itself has no way to solve the the problem. I I wish it did, but the system itself. So the solution cannot come from the system. Because if you allowed um, if you allowed the free market to work, the credit based system in the world today would collapse to the ground and and we would be living in the stone age. It would be, we'd go back to barter, we'd go back, there'd be no food on the shelves. Dictators would rush in to try to control us in that. And so what governments are trying to do to stop that, the natural clearing functions of markets from happening, is, is door number two, keep kicking the can down the road. And what they're doing by doing that is they're increasing the, the, the negative externalities around the world. They're increasing the divide of rich and poor. They're increasing global warming. They're increasing our climate change. They're increasing everything else as a result of blowing up a balloon faster and faster and faster that will pop for sure. And that is, the, the main issue here is the political cycle changes the incentives for how the economy should be managed because... Uh, there is no incentive for austerity. Yeah, it, it's bigger. It's it's bigger than that. There's no so so. Once it, if you look in short term and long term debt cycles, Ray Dalio talks about debt cycles, um, and he does a good job. I think one of the things that I Ray Dalio gets wrong, and many many people get wrong, is we've always had the free market um, and technology has always been deflationary. It's always made prices go down, and it's always made prices go down um, because we create technology to be able to do more for more with less. So it's it's natural. It seems pretty obvious that anything you use 
kind of with technology is is getting more and more efficient. Well, it's always evident with the TVs. So every time I buy a TV, it usually costs about the same, or maybe a bit less, but it's bigger and has better technology. Yeah. Just so so the, your your calculator app on on your phone, people think that it's uh, it's free because of advertising. It's free because the marginal cost of production is zero. Um, do you want to go and create a um, a calculator app? And why? Because because it costs nothing. You can't make money on it. And when the marginal cost of production moves moves to zero, and it it's digital in nature and moves everywhere in the world for free, it becomes free. And so so, but now go back. This this is where this is important and kind of on the. So for all time, it's been like that. We create technology, we get more efficient, and it's for all time. How did, was the anchor to the system used to be gold? And for monetary velocity to expand through, uh, through, uh, so you, you, could, you couldn't trade gold. It had to be centralized, and you couldn't trade gold from person to person, or at least at the speed that the, the society was moving. So speed of society moving, especially today, digital in nature everywhere. Speed of society is moving and improving is at a rate that's, that's faster and faster. So technology is moving faster and faster exponentially through time. Then when you go, you go back and anchor to gold, you have to build a credit-based system on top of gold. That credit-based system must expand forever. It keeps on expanding. And when, the, when you say short-term debt cycle, what ends up happening is short-term debt cycle is it can't keep expanding, so it collapses. And then, and then it takes on again and it keeps on growing. And then when it really collapses, the, the pain to society is so great that you have to kind of retake the gold. You go fight over the gold, world wars. Winner, sets a new, winner of the war sets a new monetary uh, game from zero. And it all starts again. So, and why? Because one system is deflationary. One system is driving down our time. In other words, our time up. And one system has to go the other way, has to keep growing. And then it gets to a point in history where you have to break it and you have to reset everything. We're entering that time in history again. Um, and, and so now you have to ask this time in history, why might that be different? Or and this is different for a lot of reasons. We've never had war machines that we could destroy the world in on a reset that, that it would look uh, that um, could happen as we go to the next level. If it resets around gold or something like that, what would have to do is the winner of the new war would have to reset the rules around that, or there'd have to be a negotiated settlement around people who say, here's how we're going to reset this. Um, and what Bitcoin, and, but it would start again because you'd have a credit-based system built on top. What Bitcoin is so different that it's not well understood is you can you both have the asset and the network on a um, on on Bitcoin, but you also have the velocity on the, whether it's Lightning or on top of the layer two technologies. You have the velocities. You have the velocity of money through technology, so I can trade with anyone in the world anytime on an open decentralized network that removes that ability to cheat from humans forever. And, and what you could simply ask yourself is, and I try to come back to these first principles all the time, throughout time, 
if a system could be manipulated by some by humans to give themselves an advantage over other humans, will it be? Yes, <laughs> without doubt. We've we've seen it throughout history, and it's and and so there's an incentive for that to happen. And so what Bitcoin is is it, it removes that ability, it removes misinformation, and it removes that ability forever, or hopefully forever. Whether it's Bitcoin or something, but but that ability because we wouldn't make the choice otherwise. There is no politician, no person you look up to in the world, not me, not anybody else, that would globally make that choice any um, without it being driven for us. Could you not say the same thing about gold? No, because because gold would have to have a credit-based system built on top of it. And so that's actually, not transferable. So it's not transferable. Gold, it, because you can't move it around at the speed of the rate of the internet. You yeah. can't move. You, so it, it cannot work. You, so you'd have to have a currency that allows for deflation, a, a, a hard currency that is both being able to move at the speed of light, right? Um, without the credit-based system built on top. Otherwise, you get right back to the spot again. So the reason the gold standard existed and the reason it ended was top-down. It came from centralized authorities who made that decision. But the, 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 the difference with Bitcoin is, is that the Bitcoin standard comes bottom-up. Um, I talked about this a million times on the podcast, Jeff. I operate on a Bitcoin standard. My football club operates on a Bitcoin standard. My podcast finances operate on a Bitcoin standard. All the decisions we make are based around Bitcoin. Nobody else has to do it, but I've made that choice. Maybe you do. Maybe Danny does. Maybe Jeremy doesn't. Um, but the more people who do, the bigger network we have for this Bitcoin standard, and we all flourish and benefit together. No centralized authority can easily stop this. Let's not say it can't be stopped. It could be regulated out, made difficult, but essentially speaking, it comes bottom up. So nobody even needs to set the rules. I, for the life of me, I actually can't understand um, why people wouldn't want this to, to win. Well, for the same reason of the question you asked me previously, if you can manipulate the rules, will you? So what we're re removing is the ability for the people who can manipulate the rules to manipulate the rules. So that's why they wouldn't want to do it. But, but interesting, when you say they, right, this, it, it's easy to kind of paint some dark picture of they. I don't know what they know what they're even getting into, if that's the case. Because the person who you would identify as they, to be able to say who creates rules for everyone else, it won't be them. In a generation, it won't be them. It'll be it'll be someone else, uh, someone else, and like more than likely, we end our world before before it gets there. If it looks like that, that is really because you, you really you have to centralize everything um, to be able to keep going, and that probably starts in in geopolitical areas. And but even even tonight today, if you just said what it does, does anybody think it's a good idea? To trust the yuan as a as as a base layer for, for humanity, <laughs> probably very <not>. few, <laughs> very few. Maybe uh, Vladimir Putin right now, but I but I don't think he does either. I think it's it's just game theory trying to figure out how how he can respond to this. Yeah, 
but um, and so how do you enable global trade? Um, or, and, and global trade is trade with people, not governments. So again, we're, we're, we're all of the ideas and, and the free market, the free market is us. It's our, our ideas, the ones that work when they deliver value to other people. But we think they're two different things. We think they're, my house should always go up in value, but everything I buy should come down in, value, in price. Right. It's, it's that incongruence. And on a, on a Bitcoin network, um, every, single, every single test, every single idea, um, Jack Mullers talks about this uh, as well, every single idea enhances the idea. The best ones win. The result is prices come down. You could hate Bitcoin. It will still benefit you. Before we carry on with the interview, I do have a quick message from my show sponsors. This show is brought to you by Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now listen, in Bitcoin, we have this saying, right? Not your keys, not your Bitcoin. So if you're a Bitcoin holder, it is your money and it's time for you to own it. And if you're not storing your Bitcoin on a hardware wallet, then you are trusting somebody else. I took control of my Bitcoin back in 2017 when I bought my first Ledger Nano S, and I'm still using that same device today. Ledger is the smartest and easiest way for you to take control of your Bitcoin. Now, if you would like to find out more or purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Next up, it is BlockFi. Now, BlockFi bridges the world of traditional finance and Bitcoin, empowering you for this future financial world. And for people in the US who own or are interested in owning Bitcoin or stacking more sats, then the BlockFi Rewards credit card provides the easiest way for you to earn Bitcoin. There are no fees to use this card, no annual fee, and no foreign transaction fees. And you can get 3.5% back in Bitcoin on all purchases in your first three months and then 1.5% back forever after. And also for every dollar you spend over 50,000 annually, you can get 2% back in Bitcoin. Now, if you want to stack stats with BlockFi, then please head over to BlockFi.com for more information and to find out the terms and conditions. This is BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Next up, it's Casa. Whether you've just bought your first sats or you're a Bitcoin pro, you need to protect your investment. And the only person who should be in charge of your Bitcoin and your financial freedom is you. And securing your Bitcoin does not have to be difficult because Casa makes it so easy. Getting started is super simple. You just download the app, create an account, and enjoy a 30-day free trial. And if you need some assistance, it is just a click or phone call away. Casa has best-in-class customer support and free online resources to support you. Now, 12 Canada recently showed us the importance of self-custody and taking control of your money when they froze protesters' finances with no warning. Take your financial freedom into your hands by self-custodying your Bitcoin so it can never be frozen without your consent. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Also today, we have BCB Group. Now, BCB Group provide online business banking for companies in the Bitcoin industry. And yes, of course, I am a BCB customer too now. Now, they heard about the difficulty I was having finding a new bank, and they understand Bitcoin. So when they reached out to me and said, Pete, you should move your account over to BCB Group, I was like, sure, 
Sounds absolutely perfect for me. And I could not be happier with the service they have provided me. Now, BCB clients include major exchanges, market makers, funds, and miners active in the UK and Europe, but they are now expanding globally. They also have this amazing network called Blink, which facilitates instant free payments between BCB clients for all supported currencies. Now, listen, I know some of you have also had trouble with your banking. And if you are looking for a banking provider who understands and supports Bitcoin companies rather than creating hurdles, then like me, you want to become a BCB customer. Now, if you want to find out, please head over to bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter, which is bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter. Yeah, and, and it brings up this wider, more in- interesting question now at a, a time of currency wars. Jerome Powell admitting there might be multiple reserve currencies. Russia being cancelled, needing an alternative, which might be the digital yuan, maybe something else. Um, at a time where the US dollar is certainly struggling. And uh, as Nick Carter said to me yesterday, uh, treasury bills, which were seen as a global risk-free standard, now are not risk-free because you can be cancelled as a nation. Um, We're at a time of where I think the US government, in terms of... the position they need to take, not in terms of can we remain the strongest country, more in a uh, position of let's stop somebody else becoming the strongest country is actually to adopt Bitcoin and adopt a Bitcoin standard and promote Bitcoin. Because I think the US promoting and defending Bitcoin uh, harks back to traditional American values of freedom and decentralization as the republic is um but also just because the the volume of bitcoin wealth and companies within the u.s actually makes the country stronger and the game theory of that with the u.s tending to lead the way would actually probably defeat the digital one uh digital you remember digital you want to get confused between the two uh probably defeats its uh goal of becoming a challenge a global reserve currency um if you just said everything's an idea yeah right everything is an idea we live in an idea where it's okay to have inflation a theft in our money at the base layer and that theft of in the base layer or transfer you could call it i know theft is harsh but it is but that's what it is it's a transfer of wealth from transfer of wealth and control because we vote for that it's that people believe that's okay. If people believe that's okay, and everything's an idea, if if everyone believes that's okay, that's where the world will head, and it'll get cons- uh, get controlled. If people believe that, and it doesn't really matter what currency you move that into, because what we said before, if a currency can be manipulated for some people's gain over others, it will be. Right. So no matter which digital whether whether it's uh, CBDC in the U.S., <laughs> whether it's then you can you can expect over the next number of years to be really confused as as what started out as small fluctuations go into bigger and bigger fluctuations, and it takes all your attention. But at the root, Bitcoin is an idea against that, and it and 
in, in, in the free market. And, and what I suspect is going to happen is as people do this, more and more people are going to understand. One system will drive the other system because it actually creates more value in the other system as this is happening. And so, and, a, and if enough people believe in, wait, why should my money or my time be manipulated? And who wins by that manipulation? Um, if enough people believe that, Bitcoin is just an idea that is going to transfer, tran transition and it will become our reality. I suspect enough people are going to see that. I suspect so too. I, I mean, I think, I think it is happening. I think it's happening. It's, it's happening in a rate. Um, it's happening at a rate that I don't even think we can comprehend, even in the Bitcoin community. That uh, that uh, I'm flying to El Salvador in a couple of weeks. I know you've been there, but yeah, um, it's a, it's happening all over the world. It's happening in Nigeria. It's happening in um, I think 10% of um, the network is still in China, even though China is trying to uh, clamp down every, everywhere on it because it's an open decentralized platform that they really that governments have no control over. Um, and you have to ask yourself, who is government, right? Who is this dark force of government? It's, it's us. We, we control it. It's our ideas. And if we decide to give it all power to, to control us, then we'll give it all power to control it, but it's uh, us. But it is just that the, the way that's all structured is an idea. Government is an idea. One idea, has, kind of one side of that idea has government should control everything. That's what it would look like in China, and they'll look after you. Um, and one side of that idea is freedom of, freedom of ideas, freedom of expression, freedom of ideas, free, free market. And, and I go back to what I said before. If you believe government can control you, and it's only a certain number of people, a small number of people, then that must come at expense of all the new ideas. Those ideas would never be seen. And most times we don't see the idea, the new idea, how great it is until it's before us. We don't know we'll change until the idea is in front of us. And so I actually suspect that over time, there's nothing you could do to stop this idea because it is us. So this is, we're, we're entering into an era which is the the, essentially, without being hyperbolic, it's a battle of freedom versus control. Um, because if the Chinese idea of control works and you want to beat China, you have to be better at control. Exactly. So the US has to be better at control, but in a society which is, f to an extent, more free... That's you're gonna you, you can't win that battle, but can you win? Therefore, by being leaning into free and being more free, and breaking down like as an acceptance and breaking down those barriers of government from within to win that battle. This is this gets hard to 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 even contemplate when you say um, from a from a U.S. centric or Canadian centric. I had to realize some of the things we're talking here okay. and realize my idea of freedom came at somebody else's expense. Okay. And, and so when we looked at, look at a whole bunch of nations around the world that effectively got cut, cut off from the, 
oil network, pricing of the US dollar and, and currency, um, to be able to gain advantage in trade. Essentially, the US could print oil by pressing a button. Everybody else had to pay, pay for oil. And so it gave some countries an advantage and it gave some countries a disadvantage. The only way to actually make that work... Hold on, let's go back a second, because I hadn't thought about that, because energy security is a huge issue right now. It's a huge issue right now. But you've just said everybody has to buy oil, but the US can press a button to print oil. Just for clarity, what you're basically saying is because of the Dodger... Uh, Dodger? The Dodger, it's about right. The dollar hegemony, the US can print dollars to buy oil at the expense of everyone else because it deflates their, you know, debases their currency and it makes oil more expensive. Right. I'd never thought it through like I that. Never thought that. Yeah, I'd never thought that through like that. The US gets to print oil, fuck. Okay, so, can, so, so energy is priced in US dollars today. Mm -hmm. Energy, all energy will be priced in Bitcoin. Because if you're Saudi Arabia right now, you're starting to think, just a second, I'm getting paid in less valuable dollars. I'm buying your bonds and I'm getting paid in less valuable dollars and I can be cut off from a system. If I do something wrong. If I do something wrong. Yeah. And so that whole thing is breaking down before our eyes. And also energy is becoming more decentralized. Um, and, and so that decentralization can't be, the, the way you protected it, that, that US dollar oil system, petrodollar oil system, is you protected it by force, coercion. And if somebody was cut off from the system, they were cut off from the entire network. Um, and, and so that positive ex, uh, externality for U.S. citizens, myself in Canada, and, um, created negative externality somewhere else where they couldn't. And, and, so, and it's all tied to the same thing I talked to you, said before. If you could create an advantage for yourself or your citizens over somebody else, you will. History proves it. And so, so, so now you have, now countries like China are bigger, more impactful um, in, the, in the global energy climate, and they're trying to get energy priced in yuan. And, and, the, and kind of the game is, is all trying to see who has the power, and that's a, kind of driving a military force around the world to say, Trade with me, trade with me, trade trade with me, and it's breaking down. So back to your back to that thought before. So we have an advantage that came at a disadvantage from other nations through this through the same thing, and Bitcoin Bitcoin fixes that globally. And so if you believe in a free market, and if you believe in your people, and 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 what will happen in a free market is there's more idea generation and, more, and, and that idea generation creates value for society. The nations that go earlier onto Bitcoin will create more talent pools and more, and, and more, more ideas. And those ideas will, will move those nations at a way faster pace. Interesting. And, and, and what, we, what you'll see is, I don't think you need to think about what governments, what nation state, what does this look like? You're going to create, it's going to just create game theory between governments competing for people and talent and resources under a free market. Effectively, all that ends up happening is the fraud in a system 
that must be there through inflation has to be exposed. And, and what that means is there'll still be taxes, um, but nations are going to compete for, for, I believe in this. Here's what I believe for my citizens. And they won't be hiding through the back door. I'm telling you this, but I'm actually going to take all your money through inflation. They won't be able to do that anymore. So that will bring it in a competition of, I think, a totally different political class that is actually for the people, by the people. <laughs> okay, right. So, so we're in this transitionary period now where Bitcoin is really being tested. The, the, the theories you're talking about here are being tested. Um, and actually, at a political level, they're being tested. I mean, here in the US, even though we think there isn't sometimes political capital around this, I actually think there is growing political capital around this. We've seen Senator Lummis, now Ted Cruz, Governor Abbott here, Josh Mandel. These are people actively saying we should adopt and support Bitcoin. Josh Mandel specifically saying, if you believe in small government, you should believe in Bitcoin. If you believe in big government, you should be against Bitcoin. So that, there's actual political capital pushing us towards these ideas. Yeah. There's still, the, a lot of those ideas are still in an existing architecture. Of course, but that supports the transition. That's, that's, all, that's all been politicized and everything else. So we talked about it at dinner last night. How do you get noticed for a long time? Truth matters even in a world that it feels chaotic. So, to, so today... Um, truth, truth is a, is a kind of line that lives on. Like it just keeps going. So everything we're talking about right now, people could argue it, they could politicize it, they could do it, but it's still true. And what you're finding in Bitcoin is more and more people starting to realize that truth, kind of coming out of the fog from their individual silo and realizing here is a through line. And I think about it like... What would it look like if you were Galileo and you looked up through a telescope and you realized, wait, the stars don't rotate around the earth, it's the other way around. But the prevailing truth of the time was a different truth. And so eventually that truth wins. It takes society a long time to understand. A lot of different people fighting it, uh, go, uh, uh, deplatforming somebody to be able to, but eventually society starts to come around to say, that's true. And it's again, it's just an idea, fight with the, the truth, fighting against a previous, a previous idea. And so there's an idea that we live in a world that should, needs to, requires inflation to live in a productive society. And nobody's double tapped on that idea. Like, why is that true? We, 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 we require theft in, a, in, in, in our time or our monetary base layer to live in a productive society. But a lot of people swallow that hook, line, and sinker because it used to be true on a credit-based system because there was no alternative to uh, because technology hadn't provided a, a path to be able to have velocity um, 
and decentralization so that that, that needed to be true. But isn't that just an, it's just an idea as well? So, so that idea um, is now being challenged, challenged by Bitcoin, uh, an idea that it doesn't have to. And enough people, so the adoption rate of Bitcoin, which looks like the adoption rate of the internet, which was just another idea, um, is matching the adoption rate of the internet. Same thing. It's an idea that puts more, more people, more of us, um, into into control. We gain control. We we gain our time back. The the wider externalities that come from this are mind blowing. Mind blowing. Because you know, there's a show we're trying to work on at the moment is the the things that have come out of Bitcoin that probably weren't part of even Satoshi's roadmap. Uh, who knows what Satoshi truly thought, but I believe that Satoshi thought peer-to-peer -peer money, uncensorable, censorship-resistant money with a fixed limit would be good for the world because of central banks. I do not imagine in any scenario he thought about the impact that Bitcoin would have on the energy sector. <laughs> which has come out of it. We've, um, we had Troy cross Crossing yesterday with Nick Carter and Troy's thesis, whether or not somebody listening believes that burning fossil fuels and increasing uh, the carbon in the atmosphere leads to climate change or not, his theory is one based on he does believe that. And he has a thesis whereby not only can Bitcoin miners stabilize the energy grid, they can also drive uh, a revolution in investment in... Uh, renewable mining infrastructure. And we were just laughing this morning, just like, wow, if Troy's right, if Troy is right, two things can happen at the same time. We can transition the world to a better form of money whilst reducing the impact of climate change. <laughs> so and boosting energy consumption uh, massively. And boosting and making more energy available. Like the... There's no way Satoshi thought about that with mining. Mining was just a process of securing the blockchain. Yeah. But this whole thing's come out of it. And it's not the only thing. There are other amazing concepts. And there's things we don't even know about that are going to come in the future. It's like, oh, crap, Bitcoin's going to fix this. But, it, but that, that's it. We can't see something until it's before us. Right? It, we're, we're terrible. Some, some people are better predictors. Right? Because they start to imagine what a world could look like and they build to that. The entrepreneurial process is actually that. You go up against a monopoly. You say, I can do this with technology that delivers more value. And the only way you win is if other people um, agree with you or they use your technology and you deliver more value. And what's predictable is the response by the monopoly. The only change here, the only change to what I just said is that predictable response is coming at the monetary level. But we, what, you just, what you just talked about, and I've talked to Troy on, on this, I totally agree with the, kind of that, that, that premise. Um, at the higher level, you just have to ask this. Should oil be a $130 a barrel right now? Why is it $130 a barrel? Well, there's multiple factors that come into that, but primarily, primarily right now it's hundred and thirty dollars a barrel. Uh, I would say due to, gosh, well, but multiple things coming into my head. I think of sector subsidies, speculation, risk, but mainly, probably 
because people are moving the commodities because of fear over what's going to happen to the dollar? No, you're going to tell me I'm wrong. It was it, it partly all. The biggest thing is abundance and money created scarcity everywhere else. Scarcity right. and money creates abundance everywhere else. So abundance and money, I print anything I want, means oil prices go up. Scarcity and I can't get enough. Yeah. Scarcity in every single thing. I keep creating money, I create scarcity everywhere. I so, guess that's the central thesis to your book, right? Yeah, and, and because, because, because it has to, because all it is is a manipulation. We live in a world that's an imagination that somebody can print money. And all of these responses are because somebody gets to print money. And they have, and the, those consequences have to get greater and greater and greater. So, so when you play that forward now, and that's actually why I said at the highest level, at the very highest level, you have, you, you have to, if you believe in climate change or if you don't believe in climate change, it actually doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But if there's 95% of the population that believes that, that climate change is a real thing, um, and every day they see more either news reinforcing that, ESG narratives reinforcing it, money reinforcing it, and, and they will believe climate change is a real thing. Is it best to say, no, it isn't, you're stupid? Do you think they'll change their mind, right? Or, or is it best to say, meet them where they are and ask them this, is there any way to solve climate change through a system that must drive growth by printing money, not fake growth, forever. So instead of having one job and having time to be able to travel, you need two jobs. You need two cars. You need to, because the prices keep going up and you're on a perpetual hamster wheel. Entire society is needing more and more things that are just manipulated to be able to create more and more damage to the climate that is just manipulated. It's impossible to solve if you believe in climate change. It's impossible to solve climate change from a system that is climate change. That's the, that's the biggest level. At the next level is what Troy is talking about. Now you have an incentive system to capture stranded energy everywhere. And you move, you move an incentive and stranded energy, excess energy everywhere. And you move to a Kardashian uh, on, on a scale and you increase energy, which is the function of all of us, and you increase energy and you decentralize it at the same time and it's tied to money. That's what's, so those are, it's actually the only way to solve, if you care in climate, the only way to solve climate is from a new system that does it. It's impossible to solve it from the existing system. The butterfly effect of money yeah. or the nature of money is, the butterfly effect from the creation of Bitcoin. It's, 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 it's truly unreal. Uh, okay, sorry, um, you're blowing my mind here quite a bit. Danny? Mind blown. Mind blown, okay. Um, how much do you think about the transitionary period from uh, a, an era of a money abundance to scarcity? Do you think it's just just morphs and just changes or do you think there's is it a highly bloody transition that's i worry about yeah. that so so and i've thought about this a lot as this as one system is getting more and more chaotic 
it's going to want to drag people into that system and, and fight. And as one system kind of goes the other way, it's going to, and so, <laughs> yeah, labels matter, right? Yeah. And labels are a way that we say, that person is okay, that person's not okay, and then we make more and more labels, and we just define ourselves by labels. And so, again, I don't know one person that I'm friends with, and I have lots of friends, that I agree with on everything. We disagree on it. And, and the disagreement, the free market of ideas, is actually what makes us stronger. Well, we spoke about this we, last night. Yeah. It's the, and, and yet, yet somebody can label you and say, that's, that's a Bitcoiner anti-climate guy or this, that, and they want to label you into this bucket without understanding everything about you because it's easier to, to define you and polarize. And sometimes not just label you, block you, shout at you, insult you, coerce you into trying to share their beliefs. And you'll do the same to other people. Yeah. So, and that's actually really important. We, we think it's everybody else doing yeah, yeah. it to us yeah. and you'll do the exact same to other people. So, that, so, so. But I'm consciously aware of it and I fight against it. And then, so just, and, but that's actually why this is so important. In a system that's breaking down and that we know structurally has to break down and get worse and worse and worse. We are really liable to create us versus them narratives everywhere and defend our peace. Really. And, and, and most likely as we do that, we push for people further and further away from the truth. Hmm. And why do we do it? Like really, why do we do it? Bitcoin's an idea. I can stand completely behind the idea and, it, and it's truth, and I can kind of talk about every single relation of that. And, and if somebody says, I have a better idea, okay, I'll hear it. I haven't seen it yet, um, but I'll hear it. Um, ego. It, it, but it's only ego. It's because we want to matter to the per person that, uh, that is, 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 is coming out. It's, person, it's everyone else that we matter to. And so we lose ourselves in this war of ideas. By, uh, by, by fighting that. And so is it going to be ugly on the way through? It, it could be really ugly. Um, it could be really ugly. Is it some, are some people going to see the ugliness? No. Some people are going to be just totally fine. And in fact, a whole bunch of people in Bitcoin are already fine. They're already starting to see it. I'm certain that they don't want society to go through this upheaval and some of some of them myself i just want more people to understand that it's a bridge to the other side it's it's a way to to transition from a, a system that cannot work structurally to a system that can for where we're going and i want more people to know that but if somebody yells at me because of that okay and, and getting getting muddy in that fight is actually a distraction from the time you could be spending on helping somebody how, uh, find this bridge and cross this bridge. I, I want to spend the most time with people I love, period. It's every single company that I, that I spend time with. That's what I think about. Can I make a difference? Do I love these people? Like what I, what I help, do I want to spend my time here? Uh -huh. And can it make a difference in the world? It's kind of like what Sailor said, right? Again, it totally. harks back to that about focus. Yeah, focus and spread, spread positive messages. Yeah. 
and 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 let the other stuff go and let the because the other stuff is just trying to get a reaction out of your ego yeah what's that book the ego, ego is an enemy the ego is the enemy yeah, it's yeah. a good book it's a really good book yeah. and it's funny it's really funny it, this stuff affects you in different scenarios i actually don't think i have an ego when i make the podcast i mean there'll be some but i i'll talk to anyone i'll admit i'm wrong um i'll talk to people i disagree with and not usually i don't like i won't bring someone up if i don't don't like them but i disagree with them and and yeah i did did this show with marty bent the other day he told, told me a bunch of stuff and straight afterwards i'm on my laptop i'm researching i'm learning take me out of this environment put me onto twitter i'm like the fuck you <laughs> you're wrong block uh which is, which is a strange phenomenon. And again, again, you define that and you can define that in a way, maybe, maybe this one thing, maybe this thing, um, it's actually kind of what it would, the, the positive in, in, in this. Our ideas matter. All of our ideas matter. And they touch other people in different ways and that change is sometimes suddenly, sometimes, sometimes it takes a long time and sometimes people never see that they could change themselves in a second and have a different outcome. And if they're happy in what they have, like if you, one of the things that I think you do, what you just said about your podcast, bringing on diverse opinions and being able to talk through those, it's probably why if you looked in a mirror on the rate of growth on your podcast and why that it's resonating to a whole bunch of people. Yeah. So if that's true, why do you care about anything else? If, or, or, but if, or, it, or if it is about, if it is about, because what ends up happening is when somebody questions something you do, you make yourself the message. I'm not saying you. But, no, but I do. But, but, but again, but you make yourself, you, you turn into the message. Bitcoin isn't me. I care about it a lot because I love the idea and I love where it takes humanity, but it's an idea. And I have lots of friends majority of friends who still don't really get it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't believe it, but they're still my friends. This, uh, what would Jeff do is, uh, <laughs> you need to get on a bracelet. Yeah. Get on a bracelet, get a <laughs> tattoo. Just go like this. Look at my wrist. What would Jeff do? Jeff would, I know. Uh, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, and it's like, you know, when the people say the thing, oh, we're still early, that becomes more apparent <laughs> the the further we go down this rabbit hole. Yeah. You realize the, the profound effect that this technology or idea is going to have on so many people. And, and like you, I, I want to get that in front of as many people as possible and help them learn and under, understand this. Uh, and I guess this is, this is the best vehicle for it. Yeah, it's a great vehicle. But again, it's easy for us to become the message. Yeah. And then when, when we become the message, when somebody questions questions the idea, they question us at the same time. And that's what it, that, that's what becomes the polarization. Do you, do you think another reason for the polarization is, like, I think most people in society, like much wider than Bitcoin, see like things breaking down and see it as a real issue. And then the solution to that issue is really different between like, say, like polar opposites, MMT and people who are into Bitcoin. 
And do you think that it's like, if you question what I think is sort of a salvation, then I'm going to fucking fight you. That's what I mean. They become embedded in the message instead of, in, instead of the idea. So let's just explore MMT and what that idea would take us to without, without the uh, in, um, insanity of the position. Just, just explore it as an idea and, and just ask yourself, can that idea... Is that idea congruent with the free market and of, of all ideas, or is it not? And realize that the free market is us. It's our ideas. So if there's something that, that, that has to stop that, then it comes at our expense. Mm. And so where does that, where does that go? How do, how, do you, how do you rectify that problem? And so I can easily talk about, okay, all of, all of these ideas without without disdain for different people and everything else and investigate them to their root cause. In fact, even if you looked at the World Economic Forum, right, um, and, it's, and what you'd hear in Bitcoiners and everything else, it, imagine Klaus came up with um, this uh, idea that I had at the same time. Imagine if he realized technology is deflationary and exponentially so. And... And through his organization, imagine if he said, oh my God, this is going to leave a whole bunch of people um, out. We need to control them. We need to set up a whole narrative that, sa that effectively says this. Um, people can't determine for themselves, so we're gonna determine for them. And we're in this seat because we were in the, we were the beneficiaries of inflated money in the beginning and and we have all the we have the best ideas on how to control other people let's just assume just take it on face face value and say there could be an argument that says says if our system is moving to deflationary one where we'll be happy and get nothing who should control it and 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 an idea might be, here's how we can make society work. But that idea done in a silo could never match the ideas of all humanity. Yeah, It's one person's idea of, a, 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 of how a world would look. And so it can't match the free market of ideas. In fact, my idea, why I wrote the book, is a different idea than that idea. That, that puts the free market in charge. And so it's just, a, it's just now we'll see throughout time which idea wins. I suspect where we're going, Bitcoin will win and that. But, but again, it's again, it's, it's that idea. And that idea is winning, starting to win. Okay. Do you think much about how it might fail, our idea? Um, I, I do. I, um, and it, probably why we spent a lot of time talking about how we can be manipulated, how we will easily fight against people and we'll, we'll, we'll turn that narrative into, like even if you looked at some of the fights within Bitcoin itself. I don't see any of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, don't, I actually don't get it because the primary thing underlying it all is so important. And that and, and again, I, um, so... Well, this is this is this is my whole fight with Saifedean is quite a kind of funny. Uh, it, it started back in I think 2019 maybe, where I made a 
comment on Twitter, quite aggressive, but like I basically said people who disagree with climate change being caused by humans are idiots. Yeah, so it's provocative. Yeah, in hindsight. That's, that's provocative. Yeah, but that's, all, you know, go all the way back to the learning. You know, you learn, you, you know, one of the things is learning how to communicate. Whereas this week where he put out a tweet thread regarding climate change, I disagree with, I actually wrote a response that was really considered, balanced, admitting what I don't know. That's like a learning exercise. But he disagreed with me, shouted at me in my uh, DMs and then blocked me. And I saw him in Vegas and I went up to him and this, this is God's honest truth. I said to him, approached him, despite him blocking me and said, listen, we're on the same Bitcoin mission. Can we not have things we disagree with and still be friends? Because he can come out on the podcast and share his ideas. I can challenge his ideas. Other people can listen to them, agree, disagree. Uh, and obviously he's chosen that's not the path he wants to go. Uh, but I think he's actually wrong. In some ways, thinking about everything you've said today, people who block people with different ideas, they're actually, it's, it's, it feels like a different form of control. But again, we're sorry, but Bitcoin is like allowing those ideas to flourish, allowing ideas to be built in this kind of open way. And, and I think we've lost something by him and I being mortal enemies because he's got things he's an expert on. He's got things he's potentially wrong on. And this is the big, this is one of the biggest platforms he can come on and those can get out to a wider group of people. And now we've lost that. Yeah, and maybe maybe you haven't over time, and both of you guys will make decisions on to, to, to and 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 what he does to you and what you do to to him. Again, his view of his world will have a, a view of his world. I like safe. I like you. The um, I don't agree with everything you do. I don't agree with everything uh, safe does. I have my own world, and and if my world and everything around me is good for me, yeah, then then great. I can't control everybody else. Yeah. I can't control if somebody blocks me. I can't control what they say about me. Does anybody I block you? Uh, not very often. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. you're like the nicest guy in Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's only because I realize um, I am just as susceptible as, as, as what you're happening. It, it, my ego, it could, be, it could really easy turn into, into this matters because I, I, I need to matter in Bitcoin. I don't care. I, that's that's really like I don't care that I matter in Bitcoin. I care that truth, fair rules. I care that society uh, moves in the right direction, and I care I care that, about that for my kids. It's a way bigger. Uh, it's a way bigger mission. It has nothing to do with me. Hmm. Back to the point because I interrupted you. Yeah. How do we fail, or how does this idea fail? I um, mean, as outside the obvious of. Not enough people believe in the idea. So, so that's probably the only way that an idea fails. Right. But it, but you, but you, what you have to think about is, and that ties into what you, your yours and safes thing. It is really easy to polarize an idea if there's a whole bunch of people that look like they're crazies promoting that idea, take down government, take down this, take down, it still might not fail. But it's easy. It doesn't help. But it doesn't help because yeah. it doesn't actually get more people to investigate. It, gets more, it gives more power to the existing force that you better be scared with Bitcoin because this is what it'll look like. 
And, and it, we just have to realize people don't move from fear to more fear. They move from fear to hope. So the, so the more that path is hopeful to what it, what it could look like, the more that journey is, I've created a whole bunch of companies. You, you create companies by, it, all a company is, is a whole bunch of people with a belief set that they want to create something different in the world. And that belief set is typically hopeful. If it wasn't, nobody would join the company. And so if I, if I think that through this lens and, and how many people, how would it look like to you if you weren't in Bitcoin? If you were the person that was working three jobs to try to keep up, your house value is, you're the, you don't own a house, your food price is going up, you can't afford gas, everything else. And, and there's certainly you don't have time to investigate like the way I can investigate. Yeah. You'd, be, you'd, you'd feel despair. You'd feel loss of hope. And if somebody came along to you and said, we're going to give you more money versus these Bitcoiners over here that we're talking this completely different story that you couldn't even get to. And you probably can't afford it. You can't afford it. You can't figure You don't have the time to investigate. What would you believe? And so, so through that lens, you can actually totally understand all human nature through, through the world. You can see what what would you do in their their position. Well, then then it comes to that point that a transition to back, uh, Bitcoin as a standard will have collateral damage. It, 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 the, the, the 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 collateral damage is already it's it's guaranteed. Yeah, the collateral damage um, from from the existing system collapse is guaranteed. There is no. But there will be there will be people if we moved from. Uh, a fiat system to a Bitcoin system. There will be people who will be part of the collateral damage, but they will see Bitcoin as the thing to blame, not the decisions and the reasons the fiat system collapsed because they lost something within the fiat system and they hadn't recovered it yet in the Bitcoin system. Most, most likely, the people most hurt by the, by the transition to the Bitcoin system um, will be the most wealthy. Yes, I, I see that. Because, because you can no longer, in that, in that system, you will no longer be able to socialize losses at the expense of, expense of everybody else yeah. in, in winning bets no matter what. Yeah. So those are the people that will be most hurt by the system. The people most helped will be the exact opposite end of that spectrum. But I think that's on a macro level, on an individual level. Individuals so, could be completely wiped out by the transition. The system they were maybe even mildly happy with. They weren't the billionaires, they weren't the people benefiting from the manipulation of the system, but had, had a certain life or certain living within it, and in the transition they lose because they hadn't replaced their fiat system collateral with Bitcoin collateral. That, that, there's just natural collateral damage. Yeah, and that's why I, I try to say in, in just about all the podcasts, if you're not on, if, if you're not on Bitcoin yet, or like get off zero, like get, on, get, get off zero. Uh, um, uh, get a hard wallet, get it off an exchange and own some Bitcoin. It's really important. Do, do you have any plans to write another book? I'm <laughs> sure I've asked you this before. Yeah, I, I don't think so, but, uh, but I almost never say never. I get asked all the time. Um, I never wanted to write the first one. That, that had a profound effect on your life. It's been, it's been awesome. It's, it's one of those things I, I thought it would be completely different. I actually thought that, that when I wrote it, the system would come after me. And, and 
that I would be canceled from a whole bunch of my boards, no one would do it, because, because you're going up against a system that is so profound in, in all of our lives, and we all measure the system from that system. So I thought that, but again, I think I told you this before, but I had to write it. Um, and, and I remember talking to my wife and said, you know, the risk of this, the, ri the risk is we have nothing, but we'll be happy. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, and, and it went completely the other way. And it's actually an interesting thing. And, and the amount I've learned from that journey, from writing the book, the, the number of people I've met all around the world, and um, it, it's, been, it's been remarkable. It's been such a fun ride. I totally understand and, and feel exactly the same. Yeah. It's, uh, and to be at the forefront of all this is... I pinch myself. Yeah. I, pin, I, 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 pin, I pinch myself in a, in, in a transition, in, in this type of transition that is this big, that society has never been through one like this. Yeah. That you're in, right in the middle of that transition, being able to talk about what that transition looks like in the middle of the transition, being able to speak to everyone speak else, speak to everyone involved. around what yeah. it looks like. It's a, it's incredible. And a new set of friends you get, yeah. you know, because it's not just an interview. We go out and have dinner and we hang out. Exactly. And we talk privately and it's, uh, it's fascinating. If you, if you like learning, yeah, there's nothing better. Well, it's been a, nothing like what I thought we would talk about, and it's been incredible. This is one of one of those interviews where it's like there's at least two times where I've had my mind completely blown to the point of made me reconsider things. But one of the overall, on a personal level, my my overall take from this is that the lens of decision making, Danny, of things we do, it's. Is my decision good for Bitcoin? Then it's the right decision. It takes me out of it. Then, yeah. then my ego isn't even relevant. Is it good for? If I get an argument on Twitter, is that good for Bitcoin, or is it good for me? It doesn't matter if it's good for me or not. Is it good for Bitcoin? No, absolutely not. Like to the point, if safety, and if you're listening, which I doubt, if you want to come on the podcast and make friends, <laughs> more than happy to do it. I'm more than happy to. Do I hope you. you do. By the way, I, I look. I'm British. I don't hold grudges. Yeah. Some people have done awful things to me in my life and I've shook hands and said, yeah, let's just have a beer and forget about it. I'm honestly, I don't hold grudges. I, I don't expect it will happen. Um, but but that's, that's the same for anyone. Anyone who ever listens, if we've fallen out or I've called you a dick or whatever, like, <laughs> drop me an email. Like, happy to be friends, happy to unblock. You're going to get know? a lot of emails. But I, <laughs> but I am because, like, in the end, it doesn't really matter. Just It just has to be acceptance. I may, may see the world differently or learn at a different pace or I have to fully explore an idea before I'm, I'm there. You know, there's, there's a lot to this, but in the end, it's like the world you've painted to mean that we can get to, that bridge we cross. Uh, I'm blessed to be part, part of that. And if I can contribute to that in any meaningful way, which I think I can do, then I want to be part of that. That's way bigger than any personal goal I may have. And you know, when you get to the end of your life, and I'm an old man with grandkids. I'm looking back, I think, well, I, I helped this. In my tiny little way, I helped this. And and everything you said today is one of those like this is this is a two hour two hour? Mm -hmm. Two hour conversation, which is I'm not gonna forget. <laughs> and it's gonna have a profound effect on me. So I I I thank you for it, and I thank you for your friendship, Jeff. Yeah. Because also secretly, you don't even know this. I was having a rough time once Jeff got in touch with me. 
told me, don't worry about it. We love you. Nice. I must have answered my phone that day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Danny, Danny, Danny was asleep in Australia time. So thank you so much for everything you've done and, and for this, Jeff. Uh, I, I appreciate you immensely. Right back at you. Um, the, um, that bridge idea. We are all nodes. We're all, we're all building a, br a wider bridge to where we want to go so more people can walk across it. And every single interaction, every single thing you do matters. Whether it tears the bridge down, whether it builds a bridge uh, stronger, that's the, it, if you realize that the entire world is made up of our ideas um, and we, are, we live in that, that world, it's kind of a pro profound thought that, uh, that wouldn't, you want, wouldn't you want to live in a world where it worked on fair rules? Of course. Yeah. Jeff, tell people about your book if they've not heard it. If you want some moron who's not heard about Jeff's book yet, <laughs> for some reason you've been living under a rock, uh, tell them where to find your book, where to find you. Just Amazon, uh, The Price of Tomorrow. Um, and uh, me just uh, best on Twitter, at Jeff Booth. The Price of Tomorrow, quite interestingly. I, I could use that title as an um, argument against those who want to burn fossil fuels now, but that's a whole conversation for another day. <laughs> Take that one safe, Dean. Right, thank you so much. Uh, let's, let's go and get a drink. Awesome. All right, buddy. Thanks. All right, thanks for listening to What Bitcoin Did. If you want to get in touch, the best thing you can do is head over to my Telegram channel or you can hit me up on my email, which is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. 